All right. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream and podcast for Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. I'm Aaron Schatz, the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders, joined, as always, by Mike Tanier and Brian Knowles is joining us today and Thursday as we're going to be talking about the NFC South chapters of Football Outsiders Almanac. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show Don't forget to ask questions if you're watching us live. And if you're not watching us live, you should be watching us live Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you come watch us live. And if anybody is watching this, perhaps you're a Carolina or New Orleans fan and you found this video and you want to know what all the fuss is about, you need to get yourself a copy of Football Outsiders Almanac 2022. Everybody is now going to show theirs on video. You can get yours at Amazon or get the electronic version by becoming an FO Plus subscriber at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Our question of the day, and we are doing question of the day for every show. So today's question of the day is, wither Jameis Winston? What will happen to Jameis Winston in 2022? A, he will be an MVP contender. B, he will be a Pro Bowl quarterback. C, he will be a mid-tier starter. And D, he will be an interception machine. <laughs> you cannot pick B and D. It's not like the SAT <laughs> where the answer might be I and I, I, I. You can only pick one. I'm actually going to say I wouldn't be shocked if he made the Pro Bowl because so many quarterbacks are like, no, I'm good. I've, I've done it. I've been to Hawaii. So they get down to like the eighth quarterback in the conference by the time they're done with the replacement players. This is not the, not the Mike Barilla 17th alternate pro bowl quarterback here. Like somebody who had a lot of votes and would have been, if not one of the three NFC guys, the first guy off the bench. That's what we're talking about. Then C mid-tier starter. That's kind of, that's kind of where I'm falling as well. Uh, Winston had Winston's numbers in a small sample size were very good last year. Had he qualified for the leaderboards, it would have been 10th in DVOA. But there's some really interesting statistical artifacts in there, which happens when you don't throw 200 passes. Uh, for example, 45% of his dropbacks in the red zone were touchdowns. That is not sustainable. That is not going to happen again. Right. Uh, outside of the red zone, he had a DVOA of negative 5.8%. That's who he was. He had the lowest accuracy percentage of his career, according to SIS charting, despite throwing the shortest passes of his career. Uh, There's a lot good there. There's a lot of potential there. But Jameis is Jameis. He's going to put all these great highlight wheel throws uh, on tape, and he's going to have passes which are 20 yards away from any any given receiver. I wrote today about Jameis as a fantasy pick and that I think he's underrated in fantasy in part because I think he can be an average starter and in part because he's an average starter who has much better receivers than he did last year. And that's the thing for all, for all that that was last year's numbers. Now you add Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, and Jarvis Landry to the equation instead of uh, Marcus Calloway, Deontay Harris, and uh, Traquan Smith. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm trying to remember who last year's receivers were. It's just a huge change. Yeah, and that's one of the things I was actually going to veer towards D. Like, I am the Jameis skeptic. I think that we've always we've put together this theoretical Jameis out of all his hot streaks and said, well, if you throw away all the bad things, he's really good. Uh, 
But now that I've seen proof of life of Michael Thomas, that he's not just like hiding in the weeds somewhere. And yeah, Alvin Kamara looks like he's going to be playing for a while. His court dates pushed back indefinitely. So you've got that talent group there. I think he, he comes in at C. I can't, I can't bring myself to push him up and say, oh, he's going to be this or that at B. Uh, Brian mentioned the statistical artifacts. You know, last year he threw 58 passes when the Saints were leading. He only threw 54 passes when the Saints were trailing. Uh, eight touchdowns and zero interceptions when already leading. Sometimes that was against the Bucks, but a lot of times that was against weaker competition. One of the big things when you have a small sample size is look how often this guy was just sitting on a lead, had the opportunity there to not take as many risks, et cetera. And that can make a quarterback look better than they necessarily are. I'm I'm really excited that Michael Thomas has been back. And we start when we were writing the, the almanac and everything, he was on pup as as he was beginning to training camp going. But the fact that he's going and apparently at full speed to the point where he is he is practicing today in joint practice against the Packers. That's all, these are all very good signs. I doubt we'll ever see 2019 Michael Thomas again. Uh, just after missing a basically year and a half but of injury and just general variants and stuff like that. I don't think we'll ever see quite can't guard Mike as he was there again. But even if he's just a top 15 receiver, that's a huge boost to the Saints offense. I'm very happy that he's practicing again because the league's better when he's going. And that's why I think the projection, so our offensive projection for them is actually slightly below average. And I think that's very achievable, right? It's not that anybody thinks Winston is very good. It's that I think that for a lot of us, that one Tampa Bay year with the 30 interceptions stands out like a sore thumb. For the most part, he's a very average, slightly above average quarterback for most of his career. And he, with these receivers, he can be slightly above average. Was, and if the defense is as good as we're projecting that it should be rank-wise, rank if it's as good as we're projecting, that's going to be enough. He was slightly above average with like Mike Thomas and Chris Godwin. And some of the other guys they had there too. So we always had good receivers when he had those years. I, I don't, I still don't see this Jameis because the Jameis you talked about in previous years was losing his job to Ryan Fitzpatrick like twice a season. So I'm still worried about that. But you're right. If we're coming in at 18th on offense, you know, 17th, that I can, that I can see, that I can see built out of his big playability, Michael Thomas's ability, uh, a strong offensive line. It looks like we've had mixed reviews on Trevor Penning, but he's not going to be, I don't think, a disaster at left tackle at this point. So I can see that slightly below average Saints offense. It's that number one defense I keep tripping over. They have been a top three defense for the last couple of years. And they have been a top three defense without being at the top of the league in takeaways. They're only eighth or ninth in takeaways each year, but they're like second or third in DVOA. So that's much more sustainable. I know we don't think of the talent in New Orleans and go, oh my God, like even Cameron Jordan. Like nobody responds to Cameron Jordan the way they do to TJ Watt or something like nobody's like, oh, my God, Cameron Jordan. But the fact is that this defense comes together really well. And it added Tyron Matthew and Marcus May to play safety. I mean, they lost Marcus Williams, but they added Marcus May. I think that that's a wash. Like the pieces work really well together. I think the dangers are one, the fact that defense is just less predictive than offense and therefore being first in defensive projection is about half as strong as Tampa Bay being number one in offensive projection. Right. Like we just don't, you know, it's a range, you know, it's a range of possibilities. They're probably not going to actually be number one, even if it's the number one projection, 
And the other thing is Dennis Allen, when he was the head coach of the Raiders, and all of a sudden he didn't have to, he had to do all that head coaching stuff and not just run the defense. The, his defense has sucked. And if that happens again, they're in trouble. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if our projections are underselling going from Sean Payton to Dennis Allen, that head coach, both in the drop-off on potential offensive play calling and distracting Allen from the defensive total. That's, that is a big loss at the, at the head coaching position and, and, and an unexpected one as, as well. So, I mean, right, that... and, 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 and a fairly un, un, uh, uh, measurable one from, right. come from a numerical standpoint. It's not something yeah. I can put in the system. Right? Exactly. And like the, the, there's very few historical precedents for, you know, a great offensive coach leaving his successor with, you know, okay quarterback and stuff like that. The only one, I mean, I, for the Almanac, I dug back trying to find a similar situation. All I could find was Joe Gibbs leaving Washington for the first time after 1992, and Washington collapsed the next yes. season. And nothing went wet right there. They were aging. Like Gibbs was holding that team together basically through force of willpower. And as soon as he left, everything imploded. I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen in New Orleans, but there's a higher chance than I would expect of an average team just to collapse when you have that huge change up at the top. I like that scenario because Mark Ripping kind of is the Jameis Winston who it's like, oh yeah, you know, there there's success in his past, et cetera. And also that was that Washington team was a very veteran team. And this is a very veteran team. And one thing I, I am concerned about is the average age of this defense of the, the key players is like the Mario Davis's age. Yeah. So, that's and another Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew is older. Right. He's replacing Malcolm Jenkins too. He left. So it's like they swapped out safeties. I do think they upgraded at safety. But it was sort of, but it was. It's almost a swap out. You can't say, "Well, oh, they got the honey badger." There here. is some youth here, though. May is still in his prime. Yes. C.J. Gardner Johnson is still mm-hmm. in his prime. Paul Paulson Adebo is only in his second year. Exactly. More still young. Uh, but yeah, Cameron Jordan is older, and Demario Davis is older, and Matthew is older. Right, right. And that's why I can't. Like you tell me, oh, this is going to be a top ten unit. I get there. It's that first place. Right. Plus last year they, they had really strong defensive numbers and I keep tripping over the Eagles game where the Eagles ran up the middle against them. It looked like they were buckling. It was the Trevor Simeon era at quarterback. I get that was part right. of the problem. But I wonder how much Panthers and how much Falcons is in the data in a way that even DVOA can't necessarily. Like, that was, play. yeah, but there's also a lot of Buccaneers in the data. Yes. And that's I mean, but also shut down the Buccaneers. Right. Um, and yes, useful title prints this out. Marcus May is coming off an Achilles injury. Yes. And I, you know, I guess you don't quite know what to expect of guys coming off Achilles injuries, but it's been all, he's not coming off like a week 16 Achilles injury, right. like a week one Achilles injury or something. So right. yeah, there's been no points out of camp of any problems with him so far. No, there have been notes out of camp of Jameis Winston having a setback and he is still on a brace. Uh, but he has some yes, sort of setback with his foot. So that bears monitoring. It's not, you know, DEFCON 1 yet by any stretch of the imagination. But he's coming off an ACL tear and throwing with a brace. And sometimes you will get, what do you call it, those cascading injuries where you overcompensate for your knee and you wind up hurting your foot. I'll point out, I'll point out by the way, with the projections, that being the number one projected defense doesn't actually mean we're projecting them to be number one because of the fact that every projection is a range of possibilities. Yeah. It's more like like they've got like a slightly better chance of being number one than other teams, but it's more like they're likely to be like one to six or something, right. you know, because their projection is the highest. But you know, in, in the simulations, there's a lot of simulations where they're like fourth or fifth, right? 
not number and, one. And there's not a lot of obvious 1985 Bears defenses in the NFL right now. If you look at like the Steelers defense, that's full of holes. You look at the Ravens defense, we are projecting a bunch of people coming back from injuries and things like that. So I can see them coming to the top in that there's no defensive juggernaut right now. I would like to say hi to Marcus Mustard, of course, from Mustard and Sons. <laughs> that's your that's your takeaway? You're going yeah, with a multiple yeah. Mar- Marcus member? Mustard from Mustard and Sons. He's the son of the colonel, isn't he? Hey, ho. <laughs> Me and hey, Mr. ho. Mustard. It's a different band. That's the Lumineers. It's a different band. <laughs> We're all, those are old people bands. We're supposed to know those bands. That's I not thought like, they were young people bands. It's not like Dua Lipa or something. These are bands for old people. We're supposed to know who these guys are. Come on. I mean, we, we say that. I'm wearing the, the Beatles t-shirt today. So, I mean, I, I, our, our collective knowledge of, of what the kids are like, you know, may, this may not be the podcast for them. Mean Marcus Mustard sleeps in the park, shaves in the dark. All right. I thought, oh, that's also a good reference. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Again, son we of could have gone Clue. We could have gone Clue with Colonel Mustard. Did, yeah. with, with the crowbar in the podcast. People who are listening to this on the podcast rather than on the live stream are wondering what on earth we're talking about. That's why you need to be on the live stream and read the discussion thread, folks. Just in, you understand what on earth we're referencing. We had Sometimes. a stroke. We all had a stroke simultaneously. And we know so, the Panthers are coming and we're already glitching out. ESPN asked me to write, you know, which team I think was most likely to go over their number in Vegas. And I picked the Saints. Originally, I had the Eagles. And then we updated it, and the Eagles' number in Vegas has gone up. So now I switched it to the Saints. This is the team I think is most likely to go over their number in Vegas. Well, that's why I have this interesting prop about their alternate number. Because check this out as I go to my notes. The Saints as an alternate spread. Now, again, these alternate spreads are available at DraftKings. But if you look at your favorite app, you may find them as well. Saints over 9.5 wins. So this is an alternate number. Over 9.5 wins at plus 175. I mean, our projection system loves that. Yeah. Our projection system says that's great value. It says they're going to they're gonna do that half the time. So plus 175 is great value. And for those, I didn't say it, their actual Vegas number is 8. Ah, okay. oh, that's eight is their actual number. Yeah, going. I would, I would go over nine point five on even money. I, 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 I question their their ceiling. I question how high they can go. But I think this, this is going to be a wild card team. They're going to get ten wins. I, I, I am considering the competition in their division. I really think that this is going to be a very solid team for this year. I have questions about about where they're going. After this, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, they're in the future. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Saints fans love that. Oh, oh, the future. Oh, we'll just we'll just pull another rabbit out of hat. Ain't no more rabbits. This is it. Okay, yeah. in terms of what you'll be able to put together, unless Jameis does suddenly turn into the Jameis people thought he was going to be in 2015. But yeah, even as the skeptic of the Saints here, eight wins. Forget about it. Five and one in that division. If you assume that they're going to be Buccaneers killers, as they often have been, five and one is almost like go automatic then you just need three out of division wins come on that's that's a cakewalk i like this alternate spread too because i like the plus 175 and like you said brian it looks like it's going to be around 10 wins around 11 wins that's just if you're a pretty competent team in the nfc that's where you're going to land 
and they are the second competent team in the NFC South. Like I don't, I do, I, you know, our projections always have this range of possibilities where all kinds of wacky things happen, but without a lot of injuries, I do not expect them to actually be competing with Tampa Bay for the top of the division. But I do think they're going to be a wild card. The NFC South is interesting because there are two good teams and two not-so-good teams. And there are two teams who kind of understand where they are and two teams who don't seem to understand where they are. And they don't over those groups don't overlap that much. So they were kind of, they were kind of covering the teams which don't really seem to understand where they are in the cycle of rebuilding versus competitiveness. But, <laughs> That's uh, a good point. That is a very good point. Yeah, each team... Right, right. Give the Falcons we're not talking about today credit. That's like, this is the long leash rebuild. We just traded our veteran quarterback for picks to get out of cap hell. And here's where it's starting. And the Buccaneers are like, yeah, Super Bowl run one more until Brady decides his 10 day vacations becomes a permanent vacation, et cetera. Yeah, this is a team that's like, hey, we're going to be a wild card this year. And, and then we're avoiding the future to do so. Excellent. We've mortgaged everything for this. Right. Yeah. And we'll get to the Panthers. God help us in a second. Yeah, it's going to be the future for the Saints. There's no more money to be pushed into the future. No. No there more money is. to be pushed into the future. Their, their, their draft picks in the future have been spent around the, the, the world to get like guys this year and all. And they've got a lot of guys in their 30s or guys facing indictment. Or guys like Michael Thomas, who may be a happy camper this year, but has probably noticed Devontae Adams' contract and Tyreek Hill, and does not have a long history of staying a happy camper for long, also coming around the bend. Yes, if he turns into Michael Thomas again, then he's going to want to be paid like he turned into Michael yeah. Thomas. And yes, you cannot do that. <laughs> he will turn into Michael Thomas again off the field, in addition to turning into him on the field. But we're uh, all positive about them for this year. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Well, since we got can't guard Mike on the brain, here's a pop prop for you. Michael Thomas to break the single game reception record. So that's over 21.5 catches over. Tw- so 22 or more catches in any game for Michael Thomas at plus 3,500. That's not a fun one to say no on because you, because I, that's, I still think you're throwing money away, but that's yeah. a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun to put five bucks. Yeah. That's a lot of fun to just put five bucks on for the heck of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that, that in the ideal Saints offense, Jarvis Landry takes away too many of the quick short passes yeah. for uh, for Thomas to get that. You know, Thomas dominated, dominating the intermediate route. Well, Chris Olave takes all the deep routes. If, if the Saints are working like the Saints think they're going to work, I don't think he comes close to that because there's this, there's too many people to get the ball out to. But again, this is not this is not a fun one to, to go no on. You don't want you don't want to cash your ticket for no on that. You know, right? We we had some cooler ones about Jamar Chase last week that might be a little bit more fun if you're looking yeah. for that. And again, you're right because the the Michael Thomas like the 14 catch days, a lot of them were during the Taysom Hill. I have one read. It's Michael Thomas, and I either run or keep looking at Michael Thomas, and he's going to go short, 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 short. So we might not see that again. Speaking it's, of Taysom. Prop bet. Taysom Hill. Are you ready? <clears throat> Taysom Hill to have over 1.5 passing TDs, 1.5 rushing TDs, and 1.5 re- receiving TDs during the regular season at plus 225. I'm on it. You're on it? 
Nope, 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 nope. Unless Sean Payton comes back halfway through the season and starts calling plays again, I, I don't see it. They've said that they're going to use Taysom like they've used him in the past, but not as the actual backup quarterback. That He's not going to be an actual backup quarterback, but they're going to have him in on red zone packages. He's going to run. The hardest of those to get is going to be the 1.5 passing. Yeah. But at plus 225, I'll take it. No, no, just... I know we don't want to see it. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Maybe I'm trying to will it into existence here. But just, I just don't see, uh, you know, uh, Pete Carmichael having the same kind of, you know, s- stubborn creativity. Is that maybe the best way to describe it? Just right. like, no, I'm going to make this work no matter what. No, please. Let your quarterbacks play quarterback. It's an interesting question. Can Taysom Hill go to Dallas with Sean Payton next year, or is that contract untradeable? <laughs> He'd be a great goal line for Tom Brady at quarterback. You know. Oh, wait, that's the Dolphins. I'm getting mixed up. Uh, yeah, again, at 1.5 passing touchdowns, that's kind of almost like the Derrick Henry passing touchdown line where he does the pop pass, or the, the old Ladanian Tomlinson line. So I uh, kind of see it, but I'm not, I'm not spending my money on Taysom Hill. That's just a bottom line personal rule. I don't bet on the Cowboys. I don't bet on Taysom Hill. Uh, here's one more. The bird gauntlet. This is literally what it's called. The bird gauntlet. The Saints beat the Falcons, Seahawks, Cardinals, Ravens, and Eagles in the regular season at plus 1,500. The Eagles are on the road at the end of the season, if I remember, remember the Saints. Right. When everyone else is at home. That is true. That is, that you know what? I, I like it. I like it. I mean, pro- odds are they're not going to do it. Probably they're probably not going to do it. But I think the odds, I think you're getting good enough return on that to, to go yes on that one. Plus 1500 is a good return. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the stakes on any of these are like a $10 prop, uh, Terrence. We're not goofy. We're not, no mortgages or college uh, tuitions will be spent on. Taysom Hill, or the bird gauntlet. The bird gauntlet. I, I, will, I will point out, though, sports betting has passed in Massachusetts and was signed into law by, uh, by uh, Charlie Baker. So um, we, uh, we're going to be getting it soon. I will legally be allowed to bet soon. Life-changing. Life-changing. That's My good. Well, maybe if it comes fast enough, you can put that Taysom Hill bet down because I'm not putting it down. <laughs> In your honor, I don't. I don't think I'm putting this one down in your honor either, too, Brian. It's just the Ravens, Eagles, and Cardinals at the end. It, it's just you know, it's a it's a one in three at that point if they don't trip along the way. And it's, Ravens it, are week nine at home. Yeah. Cardinals are week seven on the road. Eagles are week seventeen on the road. Yeah. And do they have to beat the Falcons once or twice? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's once. It's not specified. It does not say twice. That's weird. That should be specified in the bet. So I think that would mean once. Yeah, I think that would mean once. Right. I don't know. I have to play with the probabilities, but my first inclination yeah. would be not to do it. Yeah, I, it's too esoteric. It's, it, I like it because it's the bird gauntlet, but it's too esoteric. And that's it for my props. And that's it for the Saints, who we like so yes. we like the saints and we look forward to coming back next off season and talking about how they've been completely destroyed by the salary cap <laughs> the 
The other team we're going to talk about on today's show is uh, not in as happy a place right now, although they are in Massachusetts right now. <laughs> and, and they're throwing punches like right sports now. betting, it's about time that Baker Mayfield came to Foxborough. Uh, Carolina Panthers. Let's talk about the Carolina Panthers, who uh, I've done a slightly updated projection for. I haven't had a chance to do a full simulation but this is sort of an estimate of where the percentages would go if we add Baker Mayfield to the team from the simulation that we had in the book. So these numbers are a little bit different from the numbers that were in Football Outsiders Almanac, which had them at 7.1 mean wins. Now we have them at 7.5 mean wins. And again, we've talked about this on all these shows. Remember that our simulation is naturally very conservative and really grouped around 500 and this year, it's even more conservative than usual and even closer grouped around 500. So just because they're 7.5 mean wins does not mean they're one of the better teams in the league. In fact, in the DVOA projection, adding Baker Mayfield takes them from 31st to 30th. <laughs> that means... This is assuming Baker Mayfield starts because they are still splitting reps even today in joint practice with the Patriots. They're still splitting reps at first-string quarterback between Mayfield uh, Mayfield and What a waste of freaking time. What a waste of freaking time. Like, do you not know what Sam Darnold is after this many years in the league? Like, how much more Sam Darnold do you need to see to know what he is? Like, he's not going to be a good starting quarterback, at least with Baker Mayfield. There's the chance that he's good. There are some traits there. He's had good years in the past. Why are they still futzing around with Darnold? There was about a page and a half we cut out of the almanac after Independence Day when they made the last second trade, basically destroying the Panthers, even considering starting Sam Darnold once again. There are a lot of ways you can slice the DVOA database where Darnold comes up as the second worst quarterback in DVOA history. Yes, the second worst DVOA for anyone with at least 1,500 pass attempts. Uh, I've had it only Blaine Gabbert. He has the second worst DVOA of anyone who qualified for our leaders leaderboards in the first four seasons behind only Rick Meyer. There are so many ways you can say this is the second worst quarterback of the past 40 years. And he's getting starting reps over Baker Mayfield and taking time away from Matt Corral, who needs all the work he can get because he looked like he didn't understand what an offense was in the first preseason game because he's not getting any time with the starters to actually practice. Also, also, P.J. Walker is running around and played like a half of the preseason game. And while P.J. Walker is like, I think, a good NFL backup, we've yeah. seen him go in there and do the spot start thing a bunch of times, so we know that's kind of where he slots. And like you said, everybody else either needs reps. If you're, seri- if you're serious about this competition, then Darnold probably needs more series in the preseason. If you're not and you shouldn't be, then Coral should be playing the entire second half instead of running out there in the last five minutes uh, in a playground ball and getting run over by a steamroller. But maybe PJ Walker doesn't make this team. PJ Walker's un- unless they do something really surprising and cut Darnold, which is honestly what I would do if I was running them, but I don't think they're going to do it. Right. PJ Walker doesn't make the team. They're not going to carry four quarterbacks. And and Mayfield needs more reps too because they signed him 67 days before the regular season started. They right. were talking about this trade back during the draft and everything, and they ended up holding off and bickering over money. Great, you saved some salary cap room, but you lost the entire offseason program. Like what? I, there is just no explaining what the Panthers have done at quarterback over the last two years, other than they don't know what they're doing. And it's not like Mayfield is this wonderful prize. Like 
uh, right, right when he after the trade, all of Ben McAdoo's old old comments from 2018 started boiling back up. Oh, how he didn't see him as an NFL quarterback, didn't like him in the pocket, and well, that that's oh, that's all overstated now. He's not he doesn't still think they can be able to stop right. not have a quarterback. But the fact that it's like, oh, this quarterback doesn't do anything that I want to do, and now he's on your team. That's an right. issue. They were like they were the last two people in the bar at closing time. I, I can't go back home to Sam Donald yet again. again. <laughs> Baker's the only one left. I guess we're going to make this work somehow. This is not going to be the Cleveland scheme, and it's not going to be the Cleveland offensive line. No. But the receivers aren't bad. No. We'll quickly off the line. Bradley Bozeman got hurt today. He had to be carted off the oh, field with a lower, le- lower leg injury of some description. It's early. I did we not know that. He did walk. News. Yeah, he was able to be helped to the cart, but he was carted off, and we don't know at this point how extensive that is. So mm-hmm. even the even the improved offensive line may not be as improved as we thought it was. We will see. And useful title says Matt Rule likes competition. Only reason you can think, of. yeah, that's kind of it. Another bit, bit of news was that they finally announced uh, Iki Aquanu is the starting left tackle. He was in this rotation. For days and days and days. And it's pretty obvious. Like this guy, while he's raw, is going to be your starting left tackle. There is no other scenario. But yet you rotate for the sake of rotating. It is a collegiate thing. Urban Meyer famously made Trevor Lawrence rotate with Minshew for a while, uh, etc. It's it's this very outdated logic that these college guys get away with. because it, Also because the new guy coming in is 17. And you yeah. probably do need to, 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 to nurture them a little bit differently. But that, that's what you're looking at. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I mean, I feel like there is a story where this team makes the playoffs. Like May like Mayfield finds the spark of whatever he had two years ago and has a season where he's average. And the defense plays like they did in the early part of last season. Yep. And they and the Saints don't do what we think they're gonna do, and the Panthers basically do it instead. Right. Like that's a but see that's like it's a possibility, certainly. But if it is, it's like a nine and eight possibility. Like it's not a like we're challenging Tampa Bay possibility. And every it, it honestly would be bad because it would mean more running in place in the future, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, if I remember correctly. Baker's contract is up after this year too. So even if he does, yeah. you know, end up, you know, d- yeah. during having that season becoming that guy, you don't have him for next season. So right. it's not a long-term plan in any way, shape, or form. Like there right. is talent on this defense to be better than their projection of 27. Brian Burns and JT Horn for a full year, and Derek Brown. The, and the there are some players here. The safety. Shaq Thompson woke up last season and finally, finally. Jeremy kind of Chin. Retired. Yeah. Chin. Yeah, yeah uh, you're, right. Thompson woke up last year. Yeah, and became his own person. But so that's Redick. They lost. You know, they 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 they're missing some pieces too. It's just, uh, it's it, it's depressing to look at them because they don't know where they are too. Matt Rule is the only coach in the league right now on a streak of two years without making the playoffs. Every single other coach has made the playoff in the last two years or is new. Matt Rule has the longest extended streak. Of not being successful, and he he had the, the the quote that went viral last year is you know well Jay Z wasn't overnight success you know well <laughs> you're not Jay Z and you were, you don't have seven years to build this up you were brought in from college because you had a reputation for turning things around very quickly 
It's year three. We're still saying all of these things about your team. What is going on in Carolina? It's it's like his plan now. Everyone knows what's going on. Everyone can look at McAdoo and say, oh, this is the guy who takes over as the interim. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and the Baker Mayfield has been brought in because a shotgun wedding, kind of like you suggested, because it's put up or shut up time at the ownership level. You know, they brought in new people in the front office to put some guardrails around Rule because he was kind of operating with a GM that was kind of answering him. Everyone can see this, and Rule is kind of trying to respond by putting his head in the sand and being extra cautious with everything he does. Instead of saying, "Look, if I don't if I don't do something big and bold right now, it's it's over anyway." He's kind of in that denial stage that coaches get into when they're in this predicament, and I don't think it's going to be beneficial for this team. I don't think he's a good decision maker when he's making decisions. But not making decisions is not a good idea either. And that's yeah, kind of he, where he's at right now. He said before the season, it's not my job to pick who's going to be starting quite of a beat. Yes. Yes, it is. That is explicitly your job. That's, Please do it. But that's another Harry High School, you know, mm-hmm. c- Coach College Charlie. Like, you guys decide for yourself. And it's this banter and this patois that they use and things like that. And then you go to the media with it. And it's like, if that's really your mindset, no, no, you're a leader of professionals out here. This is a multi you know, $100 million industry, you are the one making the decisions. We're not going to take that as an excuse. We don't believe this boilerplate. And that, but that's, that's where he gets stuck. And that's where he's been stuck for three years since he got the job. He'll be wonderful in the SEC next year. He will be. He will be. I, I was thinking he's like a Conference USA special. Because remember, his success was at Baylor, Baylor and Temple. Yeah. Right. So he's a, he, like, this was like a two ramp up thing. And again, a lot of people talked him up as phenomenal. I heard unbelievably glowing behind the scenes reviews of, the, of him. Got, got to talk to him a little bit during his first year. I'm like, oh, this guy sounds like he's going to be a breath of fresh air. He's he, he's overmatched. He's overmatched. Someone has to resuscitate Purdue, I guess. <laughs> and I uh, will say there are no good props for Carolina. Vegas is not interested in Carolina props. There are Christian McCaffrey props, but they're like ultra complicated in terms of catches, yards, receptions. Matt Rule right now, plus 300 to be the first coach fired in the NFL. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, for me, for me, it's it's between him and Ron Rivera if things just go very south in Washington very quickly with Carson Wentz at quarterback. And yeah, I mean, Rule has to be the, in the front of that chain, especially like I said, McAdoo there waiting in the wings. Yeah, they play yeah. Atlanta twice, week eight and ten. If he doesn't win one of those two. games. Yeah. yeah. If he makes it that far. And the only thing I don't like about the bet is that it's only plus 300. Like he's so obviously the front runner right now that it's way down there in a not enough meat on the bone. Uh, like what does Vegas know that we don't know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So again, some people find it. I, I, I get that it's ghoulish to bet on somebody getting fired along the way. We just mentioned it's in, in football coaching. It's a demotion. He's getting a demotion. He's going to, he can fail spectacularly in the world and he will be making more money than the three of us combined times 10 next year in conference USA. So not don't want to be ghoulish about something like this, but he'll be fine folks. He'll be fine. U- useful title asks when their bye week is and uh, whether rule can last until then it would make a sort of a sensible place to let him go. They're week 13. I don't mm. know if he can last that long. But I, I could see it, you know, lose to Atlanta twice, lose to Denver the week before the bye week, and then make the change then. So the so uh, McAdoo gets to run out with Seattle, Pittsburgh, Detroit. I, I, I could see that, that making logical sense. 
Yeah. But the, the Panthers are probably going to be well out of the running well before that. There's a scenario. Now, I, I believe Baker Mayfield will win the starting job. Uh, and I think that a lot of this is just nonsense on rules part for the sake of nonsense. But there's a scenario where he starts pulling quarterbacks in week one and week two oh. and starts yanking them back and forth and then sticks Coral out there. There, there is de- this, That's definitely in play for this kind of coach in this kind of situation. Because remember, he was yanking play calling around. He fired Joe Brady last year. He yanked the quarterbacks around in and out. So all that kind of stuff is on board this year in September, in October for the Panthers. By the way, if they wanted to play Coral at the end of the year to see what they have in him, their last two games are at Tampa Bay and at New Orleans. No! So if the New Orleans defense does what we think it's going to do, those are not good. Let's see what we have in that Coral games. No. Bad idea. Keep P.J. Walker around just for that job. (laughs) It's perfect for him. I mean – Again, the only way they keep P.J. Walker around is if they cut Darnold, because they're not cutting Coral after they spent a third-round pick on him. No. And they're not cutting Mayfield. Mayfield's going to be the starter, even though they're messing around with Darnold. So either they just say, yeah, we, it's not going to happen. We give up. Walker's just a better – like, we trust Walker more to come in the third quarter when Mayfield hurts himself than we trust Darnold to come in. You know, who no. do you trust? Who's your backup? Who do you trust more to, to – Come in without prep, Walker. Uh, Walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go be a spark, Walker. <laughs> right. Yeah, but they might I be mean, also misguidedly tr- trying to polish him up for a trade. But get in line between all the teams who are trying to misguidedly polish up their their Jordan Loves and their Gardner Minshews and all these other guys for a trade. You know, uh, the the Browns can only trade one of these guys. And it's and it'll probably be to get Garoppolo and there's there's you know there's not a lot of trade capital out there so yeah I who who's trading for Sam Darnold at this point so that he can be their backup <laughs> that rule oh wait <laughs> we just said PJ Walker makes more sense if PJ Walker makes more sense as the backup no one else is going to want to trade for well, right you know what you're going to make him Ryan Tannehill's backup or something I mean God that's you trade Kellen Mond straight up. So Matthew Stafford's up. backup. I'm like trying to think of teams that could use backups. Like, yeah, right. I mean, instead of Kellen Mond, I, nobody, not, what are we even talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, it's going off the rails. We're trying to find trade partners for either PJ Walker or Sam. There was a time early in the offseason where, like, you know, you could have seen like a Garoppolo trade with Dino coming back over or something like that. But we're way, way past that at this point. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That was all on the table. Remember, Deshaun Watson was on the table for the Panthers. Yeah, the- Watson was on the table for three of the four teams in this division. I was sure I was going to write the Deshaun Watson article this this season. <laughs> no, Rivers got to do it because yeah. Rivers gets all of those jobs. We love Rivers you, Rivers. Gets all the Deshaun Watson. <laughs> all right, that does it for this show. Talking about New Orleans and Carolina, I think we've NFC South ourselves enough for today. Uh, thank you to everybody who's watching. Uh, thank you for everyone who made comments and asked questions. And again, please tell your friends about our show. We want to get lots of people watching, asking questions, having a great football conversation. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be going to having live streams every day with different people and different subjects. And Football Outsider is going to be all over your computer and all over your podcasts. And uh, we want your friends to all be a part of it. Also, make sure you get Football Outsiders Almanac 2022. If you do not have a copy yet, or at least an electronic copy, make sure you get it. 
So NFC South continues on Thursday. Brian will be back and Mike, and we will be here and talking about the Atlanta Falcons and Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He may be on vacation, but we will not be. (laughs) We will be talking about Mr. Brady and Mr. Mariota. Marcus Mustard Mariota. The greatest of all time, if you're talking about Oregon quarterbacks, maybe. Probably Dan Fouts is the greatest Oregon quarterback of all time, so never mind that. Justin Herbert. All right, let's get out of Justin here. Herbert, Justin Herbert's, as far as college performance goes, I don't think Herbert would be the best of all time. Probably not. In the NFL, be- we'll see. That'll be interesting because if Herbert, Herbert either could pass Fouts as both the best Oregon NFL quarterback and the best Chargers quarterback, or he'll be behind Fouts in both categories. Got a couple of years on Fouts. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, got a, got a, got a couple minutes. So. As the person who wrote up 1981 and 1982 earlier this year and <laughs> yeah. said that Dan Fouts should have won two straight MVP awards, I definitely think uh, Herbert's got a way to go. All right, that does it for our show. We will see you Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern, and talk Atlanta and Tampa Bay. Talk to you guys later.